Podcast world, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the ratings. And thank you for the reviews. And please support all the partners and sponsors that support our TV shows, our podcast, our social media, and all of our network and national events. Today's guest, you've heard him here before at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Me and him have had some good banter going back back and forth lately regarding the Wilder Fury 2 fight, some stuff going on in UFC, some stuff going on in business, entrepreneurial spirit, and some stuff going on in the law. He's a lawyer. He's a ex-world champion. He's an ex-national champion, NCAA champion, NCAA three-time All-American boxer, gold glove. Is that pretty good, buddy? I'm just freaking just, memorizing all this, right? I'm loving it right now. Joey... Gilbert from Reno, Nevada. You guys can Google Joey Gilbert. He's been there, done that in the boxing game. He was part of the Sugar Ray Leonard, Sylvester Stallone, national televised and syndicated hit TV show called The Contender. And uh, he's responsible for some of the biggest energetic fights in northern Nevada, Vegas, Lake Tahoe, Reno, Nevada. He knows the fight game, and me and him, have, uh, him and I have been, uh, you know, humbly, I don't know the word, what am I saying? We've been, you know, very open and transparent about our thoughts on this last fight. And I really oh think God, that, dude. I understand that you know fighting, but you're also the guy that said that Conor McGregor had a good fight against Mayweather, and Mayweather could have finished him at any round, any time of any round that night. And now we're going on to this heavyweight title where one guy was literally 45 pounds almost heavier than the other guy. First question for you, and we're going to get into the banter. Dude, my head hurts right now, <laughs> But should there be a I weight like limit just in a heavyweight <laughs> should, title fight should there be stupidity <laughs> oh my god is that really the first thing cool. you're gonna say is i'm stupid yes yes there should not be a heavyweight there should not be a limit on a i know once you get into the heavyweight division it's known it's fair domain yes you can end up fighting somebody that's 100 pounds heavier than you but this guy's six foot nine 279 pounds he used to weigh 330 I, I respect him for losing the weight and getting down he's a great fighter he's got good hands he's got pretty good defense but like what are you, you even, you're, what put, are you, you're what putting are you trying to say you're right putting now? a lot of hands on somebody with a lot of weight and a lot of advantage you, what, joey should there not be a weight limit in the heavyweight no, division that's why it's called the heavyweight division dude yeah so maybe block no. it off ended at 65 uh, at 265 no no it's the heavyweight division and you want to know what there is someone that can beat that dude you know, I don't know who he is, but that's boxing. That's well, the game. Wilder knocked him down last time. Exactly. When he so at the end of the day, man, you know, I don't even know where, what you're saying doesn't flow logically. Let me tell you why. You've got a six foot nine man, okay, six foot nine man that's fainting and juking and stutter stepping, and you want to penalize him for it because he's a little heavier? That guy was like a nimble offensive lineman. I've never seen anything like it. He's actually pop, double popping his jab. He's, he was stutter stepping him. He was feigning him. He was throwing combat. I mean, it was, it was a masterpiece. And so you're going to go out and talk about Floyd Mayweather. He was the Floyd Mayweather of the heavyweight division. I've never seen anything like it. You're and being you're for real. Off. You're not saying I'm, you're you're I'm, being for real that you think Fury was he was I that was impressive. so impressed with how he moved out of the way of Deontay Wilder's punches because here at the end of the day, 
And you know this. And that's why what you're saying is so insulting, like to my brain, like my head. <laughs> I feel like I need Motrin. But we sit there and we talk about guys like Floyd Mayweather and we talk about the power and how important ring generalship is in the game of angles. And had he not been able to get out of the way, Wilder's got one punch, knocked down, good night, see you tomorrow, power. Lights out, right? Right. So there are there were numerous times where you saw Deontay go all I mean, he loaded up and cause he knew he was facing someone that was hurt was hitting him. So he went to go knock him out. He knew the only way I get I get the F out of this is to punch this guy with my secret weapon. He's got a right hand. And you and a and a guy that wasn't as nimble and wasn't as quick and wasn't fighting elusively and wasn't backing up with his hands up. And everything that Deontay Wilder did, he didn't go lay on the rope. He didn't rope it. He didn't do any of that. What he did was he used his weight. He came in bigger, stronger. He wasn't a fat mess. This was a guy, like I said, this was like an O-lineman, a 273-pound O-lineman. This is a guy that's leaning on you. When I fought smaller guys, the first thing I did in any clinch situation was lean on them with all my weight. I tried to lift my legs off the ground until Vic Draculich or whatever referee smacked me, break him, don't push his neck. That's your job. That's what you do. There, there, there wasn't no, there wasn't a fucking, pardon my French, there wasn't a, a, uh, a, a costume weight problem. It wasn't the 40-pound costume you wore in the ring. It was the 273-pound lineman laying on you in between, in between the breaks. And then when he had a chance to punch you, he lit you up. Dude, he caught him on the side of the head. You don't recover from those punches. Like, when you got blood coming out of your ear, you're going to have all kinds of problems. I don't care what you're going to say. He hurt him. He beat him up. And that's the only way you beat the champ is by beating the champ. So what was wrong with Wilder then? Because he went twelve Dude, rounds he, the first time, knocked him down in the twelfth round to get the, the the draw. It was a it was a draw in, in the first fight. Wilder did not look, and I don't I know the forty pound costume is a bad excuse. He should have never said that. That was dumb. Which I do want to get into the walkouts in the heavyweight division these days. It's kind of embarrassing. Even Fury's walkout was kind of it's too much. Agreed. Are we? We'll talk about I mean, that. I in think a minute. they're getting a little carried I mean, away. Let's go back to Tyson days. Even though nobody is Tyson. Okay, I got a few questions about the fight what was wrong then if, with your in your opinion with your knowledge and ring generalship what was wrong with what was wrong with um wilder that night why did he get smacked around so easy he was never in the fight from the first round he was trying to throw that haymaker right which was way calculated and way it was i mean you could see it coming from a mile away all night fury could what was wrong with him well, because I mean, he's I 48 what's his record he's like 45 40, 42 and oh 42 with 41 and 0, knockouts. With 41 knockouts. Yeah, and so I think with you, what you have is actually much simpler than anybody thinks. Um, Fury, I mean, Wilder thought he was going to be able to just out-muscle him. He knew what that right hand did to him last time. Um, he knew that he has the knockout power. I think he had the confidence. I think that he just thought it was not going to be the Tyson Fury that showed up. He was not prepared at all for someone that size to be fainting him and hitting, you know, when, when someone like Tyson Fury, a six foot nine, 273 pound man is hitting you with just a jab. It feels like a two by four, you know, hitting you square between the eyes. It's not a, that is not a light feeling. Those 10 ounce gloves are, a, are, a, are a joke. So I don't think uh, Deontay Wilder was ready for those initial shots that hit him. I mean, they just, they, they hit him, they hit him hard. He immediately 
uh, you know, retreated to what his bread and butter was, was his right hand. So he started, he threw out all his technique. There was no jabbing. There was no backing up and setting up the right hand. It was just out of, out of almost desperate. I don't want to say fear because I don't think the man ever feared, but out of desperation for, Oh, Oh, I, I am in it. This is, this isn't good. I'm going to just crank right hands on this guy. And then when those right hands didn't land, he didn't have an answer. He got caught with punches in the, in the transition and that was it, man. That was all really what you saw was Tyson Fury dictating, dictating the entire fight. He, he punched when he wanted to punch. He, you know, he backed him up the entire time. Deontay Wilder never came forward. He doesn't fight very good on his heels. A lot of things we learned about Deontay that I would now do if I was fighting Deontay Wilder. You know, I would keep him moving backwards. I would keep him, you know, off balance. I would, you know, be fainting him. And I think that, you know, all the things that make Tyson Fury so special, you know, you got to be six foot nine and 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 in shape and condition to get back and get out of that frick away from that right hand. And that thing, I mean, how many times did that thing almost land on the button to where it would have been night night time? And I'm just you saying. You really think so? You don't think that his, you don't think he saw the right hand coming all night? No, I think he did, but. You don't think that Ty, you don't think that Dante was in a was it was not in a good offensive mindset. He looked really sloppy. All I night. think that as soon as Deontay Wilder got hit hard from um, from from Tyson Fury, and by hard I mean there was a right hand that came through, there was a hook that came through. I think as soon as he got hit hard by a couple of those, he he just something in his mind went from you know I'm gonna outbox this guy he, you know Deontay Wilder's always you know sometimes I'd be frustrated thinking why isn't he loading up on that right hand earlier why is why is this fight going into the eighth round this fight should have been over in the fourth or fifth round he would wear you down he he had a great chin and and why I think that things change so suddenly is that blood coming out of that ear I really do think that you know only only we can know and you know you know that we have. The friends that are on the commission, I know the doctor in the back room who said Deontay was a complete, you know, pain in the ass and that, you know, he was mad all night that they shouldn't have stopped the fight. And, you know, that, you know, just just angry about the way the fight went, because, you know, a guy like that, you know, never does know how to lose, never lost before. And what that tells me is that he wasn't even cognizant of really what was happening to him out there. He was getting hurt. And was he hurt? Or did, he was hurt. Because I read some reports that said it ended up just being a scratch in the ear. It was it, a broken eardrum. No, I don't. I listen. I don't. I don't care what it was. I'm just telling you that he never recovered from a couple of those shots. One of them being that hook. His feet were never there underneath him again. His balance was never right. His, he, he just seemed off. And from that point forward, it was a game of him thinking he could still end the fight when he wanted to with his right hand. All he had to do was step up and sit, I mean, sit, sit down on it, land it. And Tyson Fury, you're absolutely right, knew only thing I got to watch out for is that right hand. Okay, and I'm going to be mindful of that right hand and be cognizant of that right hand. I'm going to be tall. I'm going to fight tall. Because I'd rather take that thing on the wrists or have it, you know, punched into my head than on the uh, actually on the chin or behind the head. Because I think that, you know, Deontay is very good at coming around. So all those things being said, you know, our argument lies in you think this heavy guy went out there and just with weight, you know, br you know, brutalize this guy or unfairly, you know, had some weight advantage. I think a guy used his size and weight to the ultimate advantage 
by, like I said, fainting, ring generalship, like I've never seen. I've never, and again, it reminded me of why he was the lineal champion. He beat Vladimir Klitschko, dude. Like everyone thought that Vladimir was 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so what, almost 300, not 300, 263 pounds. So now you're saying, oh, you know, that's not fair. You know, he beat Klitschko when, you know, Klitschko, those guys were the giants and he beat him and he beat him with boxing straight up. You know, double jabbing, faint jabbing, being nimble. The, you said the best ring generalship you've ever seen in your career. I, I, I'm not from a big guy. So okay. So from how? Me. So then take these three guys. How does how does Fury in that that same night in the shape that he's in, in all these prime? What happens with all these height and his skill ring and his general in his ring generalship? There's, there's just no way to dictate that. Why isn't there? So do you, like, you? There's no way that you're you could, dealing with. You're what about George? With, what about George Foreman? Again, those are those are all legends that have the most knockouts in heavyweight history. Does he beat Tyson Fury? Does Muhammad Ali beat Tyson Fury? And third, does Mike Tyson stand a chance against somebody six nine? Even though Bone Crusher and some of those guys were tall. Listen, man, is, is there you, any way to see, say it? You, you, you. But again, like you're conflating. All right, it's just not fair to do. Like there isn't a computer program that can so. I'm end, asking your opinion. Okay, well hold on. You know you're gonna get educated a little bit first. This isn't the chat. This isn't the chat. You know whatever podcast. This is the life ain't for everyone podcast. So I'm trying life to explain. Life ain't for everybody. Life ain't for everybody. All right, ain't for everybody. Just like boxing ain't for anybody. Everybody. So I'm gonna break it down for you like kindergarten. All right. No one gets to come on here and talk to you like this. Why? Because you're coming at me and my. This would be like me trying to say anything to you about duck hunting or hunting of any kind. Okay, whatsoever. You could just laugh at me. Okay, educate me. So all I'm start with Ali. You know, I'm not gonna start with Ali. What I'm gonna start with first of all is this gentleman, Deontay Wilder. You know, at the end of the day, Deontay Wilder is not a fight off his back back leg, you know, going backwards. He, he is a come forward pressure fighter, you know, load up on that right hand, you know, dominate, you know, wear down opponents, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and so when you get someone that's not like a, a, a Ali, I don't know how Ali is used to laying against the ropes. He knows how to wear out a guy like a, even a, even a Tyson Fury. You know, I mean, he's just one of those guys. It's just it's just something different. I don't there's no way to say, you know. I mean, George Foreman, who knows? I mean, George would be standing right in there going toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, throwing it right back and probably hitting him. So there's no way to know. You know, I mean, there's just there's too, there's too many unknown possibilities, you know, to, to factor that in. I just think right now in the heavyweight division, that guy is the guy right now. He, he like I said, he's big. He's a, he's elusive. He's he's uh, he's strategic. He's uh, he's um, he's extremely accurate. You know, and like I said, I mean, he he actually was able to put together a fight plan and fight that fight plan. And there's not a lot of people can that can do that that execution. And you saw him; he drops Deontay Wilder with a body shot, right? That that means that they were trained on throwing that that fight. That body shot didn't just happen. Like they trained on you know take that right you know pivot to the right, take that step around throw that right to the body and he did it hit him and knocked him down i never seen a, a heavyweight get knocked down with a body shot where it was like him being off balance and the guy you know accurately throwing it was just weird so all i'm saying to you is you know in the whole grand scheme of heavyweights giants out there included this guy right now is the top of his game you know he's going to be very hard to beat for a while there's definitely going to be someone that can beat him because there's going to be someone that stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and doesn't give him space and and stays in his face and and pushes forward on him and is a little bigger. Okay, and, so and then that brings up June or July because they've already signed part three. You, of course you, they have. You said that 
you said that, you know, after the first fight, they went back and had a, and got a better understanding of how they're going to beat Wilder. What does Wilder's camp have to say now to Dante of here's how we're going to beat Fury? And is it, is it what you're saying? Stay go. off your back leg. You got to go. go forward. No, go, go. Don't, don't sit back. Like you, you, you've got to be the aggressor. Um, you know, you've got to push forward. You can't be backing up. If you're, if you bat, if you go more than two steps backwards, you got to take a right or a left and, and throw a jab, throw a jab, throw a punch. There was too much waiting. There was too much, you know, I mean, Tyson just had him flustered. You know, we joke around about it. We've said like Floyd Mayweather was a master of it. People would say that, you know, against some of the other high volume punchers, they'd get in, they'd get in against a Floyd Mayweather and they would be punchless. They wouldn't, they weren't able to let their hands go like they let these other guys. And so the terminology in boxing is, is had his, he had his hands in his pockets, meaning that he just wasn't throwing punches the same, throwing hands like he would against other people. Well, that's because what was coming down the pipe on the other side was like something they they never seen before. And so they didn't want to throw their hands. So they knew that if they did throw, they did throw that same jab they threw everywhere else. It didn't have the same impact and they just got countered with a right hand or they got caught with a hook and now their ears bleeding and they don't know where the F they are. And that's, that's kind of what you saw happen the other night, man. It really was for me. And that's why I'm saying like, I knew I was going to come on this podcast with you and I knew I was going to have to bring it, like bring my, my complete a game. So I've watched this fight like six times, twice without volume. And I've broken it down and he really, I even watched it with Molly. I mean, Molly watch it with me and she laughed at you. And she even said, she's like, what is he crazy? He, you know, that Tyson Fury fought an amazing fight. Like, you know, you couldn't have the, he couldn't have filed a playbook any better. Someone said to him, you're going to go in there, you're going to stutter step him, you're going to feint the jab, you're going to land that jab, follow it with a right hand, follow it with a hook, you know, step on the inside, put your weight on him, you know, definitely make him feel your weight. Anytime you can walk him back and lay on him, walk him back and lay on him. He's not an inside fighter. He's not like, you know, so I think they had a game plan that, so now again, what you just said, um, let's, let's, let's throw in two little possibilities just for fun to talk about it. You know, um, we're both extremely huge fans of Mike Tyson. He's coming here to Reno. Um, hopefully, you know, I now get to see him. You're going to be out of town, which I think is awesome. So if yeah, I get, if I get awesome. that picture, I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> but you know, a guy like that, you would just never know. You're talking about the most devastating puncher ever to exist. And I don't care what anyone says in heavyweight boxing, and, you know, he could be in the second round and just, just throwing those windmill crushing body shots followed by headshots, and he could take out anyone. I don't care what anyone says. I would never, I would put Mike Tyson up in the top, you know, one and two. I just, because you just don't know. You can't factor that dude in there. He was that explosive. And explosivity is everything. Now, again, if, if we're going back real quick, Deontay Wilder fight three, I think they're sitting in there and they're, you know, they're watching that fight and they're saying, you know, man, you really try, you were apprehensive. You know, one of my favorite coaches, Kenny Rafer down in Las Vegas used to say, you know, uh, you know, apprehensive will get you knocked out being apprehensive, you know, and apprehensiveness and, and, and anticip anticipation, you know, don't anticipate, don't sit there and try and like, you know, you know, fight your fight. Don't, don't try and worry about what this guy's doing, you know, or that's how you get walked into shots. That's how you get turned around that, you know, do, do your thing. You know what I'm saying? And I think what Deontay Wilder got caught up in was a game of assuming, a game of, you know, uh, you know, just just anticipating, 
and he didn't fight his fight, man. He did not go in there and be assertive and fight Deontay's fight. He very much reacted to Tyson Fury, and I think he was overwhelmed, I think, by the not just the size because he already fought him once. And again, that would see, you know, you answered your own questions. How does he have such a – it wasn't a dominating fight, but, you know, the reason why – Which uh, one was it? Their first fight. He, you know, Wilder didn't dominate Fury in that fight. I think Fury was probably beating him until the 12th round. Exactly. He had to get the knockdown to get a draw. Exactly. See, that's why everything you've said just shows that you're just biased for some weird reason. Maybe you just, you know, you dislike Giants or something like that. I don't know what it is. I thought that that fight was very sloppy, and you're telling me that it was a technical fight, and I just didn't see it. And I've watched it more than once, and I just don't see the technicalities that you're seeing. Like, he does not. Okay, so let me let me back you up. He does not look like a well-versed boxer. And I'm not. Okay, so let's just stop a second now. Let's just stop you right there. I mean, I can't let, can't let you do this to yourself on your own show. He's even dressed he, in the attorney suit today. He's too. six foot nine, two hundred and seventy-three. He pounds. should be in the WWE. Okay, no, no, he shouldn't. That man is moving out of the way. Deontay Wilder's missing him with jabs. He's pulling back and slipping jabs. Not just not just slipping him. He's I mean he he's he's making one and two and he's countering off of him. Okay, that's called athleticism. That's called training. That's called hard work. That's called doing ladder. All the stuff we do with crazy, crazy stuff we do with Pandola, you know, all that, all that. We, he's doing ladder drills. He's doing slipping drills. He's doing, you know, I mean, he, he must have had an amazing conditioning program. He must have had an amazing, you know, uh, just just set up on to strengthen those muscles to fight exactly what he fought. To be able to move in and out like that, shuffle in and shuffle out like that, out of danger, catch the punch, throw back. For you to say you didn't see that, like, did Deontay Wilder hit him with the shots that he normally hits everyone else with? No. He wasn't just standing target. He wasn't just a duck. Did he? What did he do? Did he just freaking, you know, beam me up Scotty out of the way? No, dude, he moved. He moved. Do you think Dante, you think that he looked like he usually does? You didn't see anything off with him? Yeah, no, he looked totally off. He looked terrible. He looked terrible. He looked stoic. He looked, you know. Can he beat him? He never has. Can he beat him in part three? If you had money and somebody says you have to put on Wilder, would you put on Wilder? You never would. uh -uh. No, because I think that, you know, not only does everybody have their number, Tyson Fury is extremely confident. He, He knows how to beat him. Um, Deontay doesn't really have a lot. He's got that right hand. I think that Tyson Fury's, you know, ability to stay out of harm's way, um, the way he proved, um, you know, I think it could be a closer fight. I think, you know, I I definitely think Fury could get knocked down again. You know, I think that that's what makes it exciting is he stayed in the, you know, we call it staying in the pocket. He stayed in there. Now he stayed in there leaning on him. There was a lot of stuff I thought that Fury could have done had he trained for it. They didn't train for it. They didn't train for him. I would have had a, I would have had six, six foot nine, six foot 10 sparring partners that just tried to like wrestle me like a bear. And all I did was step right, step left, pivot and throw a a blistering uppercuts, you know, followed by a hook, right hand, step and repeat to get this dude off me, knowing that this guy is going to walk me down. And what's he going to do when he gets on me? You know, I just think that, um, you know, and it's not that his team let him down. I think that, you know, I think it was good that he didn't he didn't then eventually let his team go because I think a lot of angst and, and frustration probably went through his mind when this, you know, overwhelming, you know, you know, beatdown took place because it was. I mean, he didn't there wasn't I didn't give him a round. I think there was actually a round 
that was closer early on. Um, Deontay landed a couple shots. One of them that, you know, it was like, ooh, that was a little closer. And Tyson might have been getting off the canvas. But I think he gets up. And so I think that, you know, the Gypsy King, man, I just, like I said, I couldn't be more excited about having this guy in the sport right now, especially it's what, it's what boxing needed. Um, you know, we needed a, 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 an abrasive but funny but charismatic, you know, heavyweight champion that can fight. You know, this isn't just your go out there and get psycho. And well, I mean, this guy can flat out, you know, and, you know, you look at his amateur, you look at his background, he can fight, he can box. And I, that's what I saw. And so, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see, you know, the third fight. I think, like I said, I think it'll be closer. But I also think that, you know, um, I think it could go to the decision. I could think it could go to distance. And, um, I mean, you know, because you're out, you're absolutely right. Deontay looked off. He looked like almost like he was on something like he was fucking from <laughs> you can I was like, like he was on, you know, like pain pills or something. You know what I'm saying? Like he just seemed so odd. His eyes seemed glossy, but again, you don't know if that took place from one of those, you know, like I gotta, I gotta say this, man, there were a couple times in my boxing career where, you know, most of the time, you know, I had 14 documented concussions. These are 14 times where we knew, we, we knew, but there were, I can't even tell you how many more times after practice, after 12 rounds of sparring, like I really did spar Keith Thurman 12 rounds in Tampa, Florida. And, and I went home that right that night and I wasn't right. Like, you know, I had a headache all night. I almost threw up. My head hurt for two days. I was smart enough to not spar the next day and not get hit in the head for a week. I knew I had done something. But my point is that there are some shots that land that, you know, we don't see, you know, we don't, you know, we see it, we see it land, but it can land just right on one of the, on the temple or on the top of the head or on the back of the head or on the eardrum. And dude, you're not right. And we've been in those, excuse me, we've been, we've been in those scraps, you know, that are not, you know, sanctioned or, or licensed, or you're wearing headgear, if you know what I mean, where a shot can change, can alter your state for, for, for not just the night for a week. And so I, I think that people don't give enough credit where credit is due when you're 273 pounds and you got a 10 ounce glove on and your hand is wrapped and you, and you land, uh, you land, a you land, a, um, a shot on someone's temple or across the back of their head it's going to change the, the way that they're responding. I think, I truly think that's what happened. So you would never give Dante a fighting chance. I mean, he's got a fighting chance, but you're saying they're for sure. Fury wins part three. I think in Deontay's mind right now, I mean, come on, let's walk through this. Like he catches him with that. Was that the 11th round or the 12th round? 12. He and catches him in the 12th round with that right hand, left hook combination. That was like out of a Rocky movie. I mean, you couldn't have scripted that any better. The way that hook lands and turns over Tyson Fury hits the ground. His head even hits Deontay walking away. He's putting his hands in the air. It's like over. Like, I mean, we're all, I'm just thinking like, Oh my man, at the edge of the couch. Like we're all just like, and then Fury gets up. It's like out of him. Like, I mean, I, I was, I was, I still smile thinking about it. Cause it's like a, it, it really it seemed like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. He stands up, he beats the count, he goes on to win, and you know, but for that knockdown, you know, Fury has to sit in his his dressing room that night after his. You know, let me just say this, you know, for those of you that aren't fighters, you know, whatever sport you're in, you know, for for me, I think for the fighter, you know, when it when it hit me the most was whenever I was alone 
for that split for that second immediately preceding the fight and i mean alone for a second whether it's there could still be voices in the background but for me for me personally it was out of the shower sitting at the edge of the tub or sitting in the, alone with no one else for a second thinking about the night and you you know you know the score you know what really happened you know um and he's in there thinking like dude i don't catch him with that right hand or that, that right hand left hook and i i'm i'm I don't have this belt right now. Like I, I lost that fight. Like I, I lost that fight and you know, but, but did I, you know, that's what it's all about. Championship rounds. I knocked him down. Like that's the way it is. But he outboxed me for nine, nine, nine or 11 rounds pretty easily. Right. And, and wow. And he just was off for two years. Okay. So then in the meantime, he goes on to fight, he wins, he goes on to fight, he wins, but then he comes back and he has that devastatingly of a loss in performance against him where, you know, there's a difference between losing a close decision, you know, and being beaten to the ground to where you're, you know, the corner stops it and you don't even know you've been hurt so bad and that things are going so one-sided that your corner's so concerned. How do your safety, first of all, they know there's a third fight. You know, at the end of the day, like, I do the same thing. I would have done it around earlier. At this point in time, my guy is shot. I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. Um, I'm not waiting for the, for, the, for the dramatic right hand to maybe save the fight. I'm stopping this fight now. We'll, we'll do this another night. You know, like, I mean, for real, I'm a businessman, you know, I mean, if, if I'm in his corner. But now that being said, um, you know, I do think, though, that Tyson Fury has got one up on him. You know, I think in a in a rematch, you know, obviously he's going to come in this is the favorite in Vegas, you know, pr probably, you know, one one sixty favorite and maybe a little more. But I do think, though, that, like I said, Deontay Wilder always has a chance. It's going to be that fighter that continually presses forward with his hands up against a a Tyson Fury and keeps stepping to his right hand side throwing a hard left hook followed by a hard right hand and using that left hook almost as a measuring knock the guard down pull the hands down do something with it and land that right hand that's that's how you beat Tyson Fury if you're Deontay Wilder and you don't try and outbox them. You don't stand in front of them and jab with them. You don't try and get cutesy with, you know, one, two, three, four. You're, you're straight out trying to get, get the angle to land that right hand a few different times. So you think there was some good blood and good energy pumped back into boxing, especially the heavyweight division. Is, oh, bo yeah. is boxing recovering? Did it need to recover? It's no secret that MMA and UFC have kind of been the, you know, the, the stronghold, had the foothold on the fight game. Is this get somebody like the Aram, the Aaron, the Bob Arams and all of these promoters, you're a promoter, Roy Jones Jr. is a promoter, De La Hoya is a promoter. Is there a sense that boxing can come back and be at the front? Because it's not at the front of the fight game anymore. Again, that's my opinion. But it seems to me that when you hear the money that those guys made that night, it was good money. They missed $50 million purse with a part of pay-per-view, oh, 25 yeah. each guaranteed. Oh, yeah. That's more than most UFC fighters make, way more than they'll in make their in their entire, entire career. So why is that? You're a businessman. You're a promoter. You're an attorney. You're an ex-champion. Why is it to where the UFC is packing the house the way they are? That girl fight the other night, the women's championship. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Way better than the main event. The main event was terrible. Yeah. Um, 
But is it is there a chance that it's recovering, Gilbert? That, that boxing will be getting people fired up for pay per view events again. The Mayweather's gone. De La Hoya's gone. Roy Jones is gone. Tony's gone. Tyson's gone. Holyfield's gone. Lewis is gone. Is there anybody? Is Tyson Fury the guy to get it back to a to boxing being a household name? Because I don't think it is anymore. I think the amateur game is unknown. I think a lot of the weight divisions, I can't even, you could tell me the champions in them. I couldn't tell you a no, lot of you know, belt listen, holders right listen, now. Listen, this is, this is the thing, man, that I think is, is funny. I don't, I don't think boxing took a backward step. I thought that there were still plenty of fights with Floyd and Manny and there's plenty of excitement. I think that there's a diversification in, in just the clientele. I think that there's more fight fans in general than there ever were before because of MMA. I think what MMA did for combat sports was amazing. I think what Dana White's done with the UFC is amazing. I think it's done everything for everyone. I mean, boxing is just under a different model. Guys get to get made, get made, get, get to make more money, get paid more just the way it's set up. Uh, unfortunately, Dana White's got control of the market. And so, you know, he, Andy's big enough to buy up anyone who gets in the way. So they're able to control those salaries. I think that, you know, MMA will, they'll start making more money. They'll pay him a little more, I think, as they, you know, have more, um, you know, trilogies and as they have more fight that's that's where they're going to make money they're going to make money in pay-per-view they're going to make money in advertising but i think that tyson fury absolutely can make it a household name in boxing again you know no doubt about it and i think that it is the shot that boxing needed and i think you're going to see boxing on there i don't think like i said i think mma added fight fans and i think that there's still plenty of boxing fans out there and i've seen mma fans become boxing fans now so you're saying, you know, is it Tyson Fury the household name? Absolutely right now. I think that, again, when does boxing get to see a trilogy with heavyweights that was entertaining? The first fight was entertaining. The second fight, people are like, what you just said, what happened to Deontay? So people are going to tune in. It's going to be one of the biggest events in the world. It's going to be incredible. I hope they do it in England. I hope they do it in a stadium that's, uh, that's 60, 80,000 people, whatever the biggest is. Why not? That's, what's, that's what it's all about. And so I think that, you know, when you, you know, it's not, I don't think it's fair to contrast UFC and boxing. I'll say UFC or MMA and boxing. First of all, I have brothers on both sides and I love both sports equally. I think, you know, you're dealing with equally um, incredible athletic champions on either side to be an incredible MMA fighter and be well-rounded. Now in the game, you have to be such an incredible athlete and to be a champion boxer that's dominating, you have to be an incredible athlete. And so props out to both of them. I think they're both super entertaining. One of them, you get to use elbows and knees and kicks. The other one, you get to use your hands, but then look at that footwork and look at that elusiveness and look at that speed and look at the angles. And so I, it just depends on what you what you like about the sport. And so I think that right now boxing is trending upward. I mean, I think it has been. I think, again, you know, I'm totally opposite of everyone else. I think the UFC has helped. I think Dana White's Contender Series has helped. I think him get, providing combat sports entertainment content has helped. I think UFC Pass has helped. No matter what it is, letting people see the art of, you know, mano y mano or now, her, you know, female female, I, I can't be more excited about the female fights. I mean, when I, we, I agree after the, the evolution of it, of it all, though, I mean, you didn't get to see this before. And if so, if and now you're seeing even a greater respect for female boxers where people are watching it going, wow, because they're starting to appreciate it. And you're seeing some of the toughest fights. And so I think it's all like I said, it's it's been progressing. It's been cool to see. And this is coming from 
someone like Dana White, if you remember a few years ago, he said women will never be in the octagon. He was on, he was quoted as saying that. And now it's like, you and know, because of one of our local friends, yeah. I think Gina had a lot to do with Gina this. Carano, you know, obviously a, a few of them, you know, and then, and then the crossovers, when you see someone like Holly Holmes, who was a world champion Kickball. boxer, no boxer and boxer, and, and, and boxer, boxer. boxer and kickboxer and boxer. World champion boxer. She was a straight up female boxer first. And she was, and then she crossed over and look where she went. So again, it's, it's enabled the fight game to transcend on, on so many different levels that I think it's impressive. Does it bug you at all as a fighter in the business side of it? Does it embarrass you at all on the wall? I mentioned the walkouts earlier. Are they too elaborate? Are they overdone? Is it, what does it actually accomplish so. it? What does that accomplish to see Fury get carried out on the fake, you know, the fake shoulder carry in, Listen, his, man, in his throne? At the end of the day, it's like. But is that even entertaining anybody? Well, what did you just say with your little smart, smart, um, but comment about smart butt yeah it's about go to the uh, wwe that's what they're doing that's what it looks like okay, it's almost so it's, like is so it, it's, is it it's entertainment in, bro but there's a lot that, of people that might be negative nancy like you that thought that was cool as hell for him to come in on the throne name, Why you hate name one i thought it was cool you did you th I did you thought that that I 20 it, minute walk out of him I, standing up like he's the king he's the gypsy king. absolutely I, you really wanna, you want to know why I, not because really the whole but time because the whole time he's doing it Deontay Wilder is in his whatever costume that was, his 40-pound Darth Vader costume. Darth Vader. All right. And I'm Which laughing. Which was overboard, too. And I'm thinking, this dude is being carried to the ring as the Gypsy King um, on a, whatever, what do they, they call those? Chariot. Like chariot, a, a like shoulder whatever. chariot. So, I mean, carried by women. By women to the ring. I mean, I think the whole thing adds this, like, stupid, dramatic, fun effect where people are like, oh my God, I mean, what, why? So the fight, so you're saying that the tradition and the heritage and the history and the love and the passion and just their overall respect of the fight game, the sweet science of Marciano walking out the way it did, Tyson walking out the way it did. I, I understand there's going to be choreography and even style benders got some dancing going on and sometimes 50 Cent would walk a boxer into the crowd, whatever. You don't think that the fight game, the sweet science of boxing, deserves to be respected more than the British Bulldogs walking out and having somebody carry him out on the throne when you know it's fake fighting? Even though Vince McMahon has built an unbelievable business model in the WWF, now the WWE, you don't think that that puts on a, like a circus atmosphere in, in the in the sweetest I mean, boxing? Are you, are you done now? Let no, me, be, I'm being for real. Even, even Les is feeling this. Les right knows now. exactly what okay, I'm talking no, about. Les knows the boxing, no, the fight all, game deserves why respect. he's not included right now he didn't want but, to talk today his, let, he's hoarse let me just say this he wanted to watch you just get dismantled at the end of the day dismantled like nothing you say even makes cognitive sense listen to this you're sitting there asking me about ufc and boxing we needed more entertainment value what do people love about ufc fights the non-stop video playing the music the lights the freaking girls i mean like it's a, it's an event dude there like, i mean what's wrong with you i'm just saying like so at the end of the day everything has to transcend it can't be the same thing you you still want the cars from the 1930s and in, in tahoe to be the same thing or do you want to see the lights and do you want to see no. the freaking concerts the, you're saying you're, cars are better today than they no, were in the 1930s exactly, they've dude. evolved so these boxers same, these boxers are no better than tyson was they're no better than marciano was marciano he retired at 49 dude, and 0 why and, do you have to make a mockery out of the fight game that's see, what they you, did you call it mockery it's a mockery and i call it entertainment it's you, no different than anybody in the ufc anyway look at what they you do. were entertained by that walkout look, yeah, I thought it was funny, man. 
I thought it was funny. You know what else I thought? He's you, not a comedian. You, you He's else? not there to make me laugh. You want to know what else I thought, which I know I'm I love right the about. Bye Bye Miss American Pie at the end was you very You want to know respectful. what else I know about that you just obviously don't get? Because maybe you just weren't at that level. That I was know kind of an insult. I, I know you it's kind of an insult. I know you pitched. And if no, you I'm pitched, a center fielder. Okay, well, here's the thing, though, man. No matter what, No matter what it is, if you understood this concept, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't think this is funny. It's mental, dude. It's I don't mental. Think so. it, bullshit. Deontay you're saying Wilder he took him out sitting, of his game with that the walk in. You thought that that you thought that that made Dante Wilder go, oh my god, like he's in the ring. He's just standing whether there. it made him want to knock him out more, whether it annoyed him, whether he, he's the champion. This guy's being carried in on a chariot. He's having the time of his life. He's the Gypsy King. He's doing his thing. I think it's all. It's all ninety percent of Mike Tyson's fights before the rape, that was Mike Tyson. before the rape, and before the prison sentence. Ninety nine percent of his fights first, were first, over. First, they were short. All, they were shorter than the walkout. These walkouts all, are lasting all, fifteen first minutes. All, first of all, I want to correct you on something. I don't think you should ever start out your comment on the champ, Mike Tyson. With what you said afterwards, I don't think that belongs anywhere in his history. Well, I don't to, either. But you, just, he was never say, the same fighter just, after. Listen to me. Let me he quit. was never the same fighter Let after. Let me say something real quick, though. I don't think I would just simply say that what Tyson, when Tyson was younger, he was devastating and he was mm -mm. uncalculable and he was explosive. And then after a short stint off and after time <clears throat> off and maybe whatever happened, you just didn't see the same Tyson. But I don't think, you know... It wasn't the rape, and it wasn't the management, and it no, wasn't the money, and all I that. I think it was the management, and I think it was the way that the mental state and the and the career was handled moving forward, for sure. I think once you come out of a, Being in prison for three years didn't bother him? Absolutely it did. Tattoo on the face? He wasn't the same guy after, uh, man. But what I'm saying, though, is I think that it was all then from that point forward how he was managed. And I think that that was just what happens when your your finances are mismanaged and people take terrible advantage of you and you feel trapped. And I just think that that all added to it. And I just think, I think that's what happened. Uh, okay. Well, all of that stuff that we just named is why Tyson was never the same. Between 86 and 90... He was unbeatable. He was knocking guys out before the first punch was even thrown. It was devastating. His walkouts were old school, old fashioned. He'd get in the ring, do his thing, and he'd walk back and be over. We all, I get it. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say I the think, rape, but he did go to jail I, for rape. Listen, he I was think, found guilty of rape. Okay, listen, it's man, not a secret. I, I understand all that. All I'm trying to say is that every champion has had a time in his life where he was absolutely de de devastating, and then all of a sudden, it's just, look at Roy Jones. There was a time when Roy Jones, who isn't guilty of anything besides probably being like one of the nicest guys on the planet, um was just like, I mean, like it was like storybook. Like people forget about him now, but we grew up watching him. Like just his movement in the ring, his elusiveness, the punches he threw, coming in rapping. I mean, like, what are you talking about? Like, do I, need, do I just want to slap you out of your chair. The no. man came in rapping to his own songs and then did exactly what he said in the song to his opponent and did the fight, the whole body head and this and that. And then he'd rap out everything. Then he'd go out there and he would do it. And if you're trying to tell me that that didn't put something in my opponent's mind, that this dude is so comfortable because at the end of the day, like, I don't care what anyone says. If you're not a little nervous getting in there, doing what you're doing, oh, then you're, you're, not, you're not normal. You're you just, it's just the way it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You get a little bit nervous, but if you're, if you're, if you're rapping your way to the ring, 
and you're and you're doing stuff and you're talking about the plan that you're going to execute and then you get in there and you're doing that and I'm not having success against you I'm I'm beating five ways to Sunday already that happened and, one time in Jones's career no that happened numerous times it, in no Jones's once career. and it was towards the end okay first of all it happened numerous <laughs> times in his career again you're wrong Number two, he always did what he said he was going to do. He was very vocal about what he was going to do. What is your point yeah, on Jones Jr.? My point on Jones Jr. is that he 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 was a different fighter. He did what he said he was going to do. He was very for a short period in his career. Then he lost yeah, that. I get every then his elusiveness. Then all of a sudden he's getting knocked out. Mike Tyson had what he had for those five to six years. That you're the devastating guy. That no one's got your number. That you've got that power. You've got that angle. You've got that. <laughs> And then it goes away. It happens to everyone. I just saw somebody that was 20 years old and he was the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, which will more than likely never it's happen just silly, again. silly, man. Like, It'll never just happen say again. say silly stuff. It is not silly. You're on Sugar one Ray today. Sugar Ray Leonard, dude. You're on one Sugar today. Sugar Ray Leonard. Mike Tyson should have never there, lost to Buster Douglas. Just Something stop, was not man. messed when up. When you're on cocaine and hookers and doing everything in the world and you get set up and you find out you have a rematch in six weeks and you have no clue you have a rematch and you're partying, having a good time and making all this money <laughs> and all of a sudden you're in Japan and you're in the fight of your life. Shit happens. There was no rematch okay? against Buster Douglas. I mean, not rematch. I'm saying when you're when title you're, fight in Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. Drinking sake. The it night was a before. mandatory. He had to go do it. He wasn't ready. He was not prepared. He didn't think he was. It was anything. He didn't think anything about him. He just thought I'm just going in for this fight, and he got caught. That happens, dude. He knocked him that out. Happens. Tyson knocked him out. Listen, dude. 14 it seconds. Happens is all I'm Remember saying. Remember that he did. He did. It's the referee just, missed it. It's just the thing that's so frustrating <laughs> about like our entire conversation here today is that that I have a lot things, of good points. You do you do have some good points, Lots. even though they're wrong. You have good points. You can have good points and still be wrong. You know, say happens to me all the time with the judges. I might have a good point, but in the end, they say, "Mr. Gilbert, that was a great point, and that might be correct." We are all now correct. dumber for listening but, to you. But this happened, and the fact of the matter is. Tyson Fury was the more athletic, the more nimble, the more, um, you know, just procuring. He was the more advancing. He was the more determinative fighter that laid on his guy, that dictated his plan, that fought his fight. And he won the fight decisively. And again, the fact that he was heavier than him, I think that was brilliant. I think he realized the weight that the the difference that the weight had on him that Deontay probably didn't like it, and so even if Deontay tried to put on a little weight, I think it didn't have any effect on Tyson Fury's weight, and I think he just got worn down super quick by a bigger dude, and I think his corner stopped it properly, man. I actually think it could have been stopped around earlier. Did you know it got stopped when it did, or did you? Because the angle was weird. Did you did you blame it on the ref originally? No, I first? saw him stopping. I think you know it was Kenny Bayless, right? I'm pretty sure it was Kenny Bayless. <laughs> yeah, he was um, way too little to be ref in that route. Well, match. no, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, sure, it should have maybe been Jay Nady or even Vic Dracula. It should have been someone a little taller. But at the same time, I think that, you know, the fight should have been stopped when it was stopped because the only thing that was going to happen at that point is bigger shots were going to land. And I just don't think at that point that relying everything on that, you know, Superman right hand that he has. That he, I mean, again, I don't take Deontay Wilder out of the fight at any time. Injured or not, hurt or not, I think if that right hand lands, 
the way it can land at the angle he lands it sometimes that it's night night time for whoever he's against. So I always give him that puncher's chance. And I think he could come in there with that left hand held super high and, and, and work off that jab and, and just constantly be pressing forward. And if Fury tries to lay on him to make sure he's, he's pivoting on that foot and, and turning into the right uppercut, you know, with that left hand really high. And I think he's got a chance. But if he doesn't do that and he, he fights Tyson Fury's fight and backs, at, backs up and allows the bigger man to keep him at the end of his punches and to land that right hand followed by that hook, he's in big trouble. Is there any other heavyweight right now that after part three has a shot to come in and beat either one of these guys? Who, who are the other names in your hat right now that you'd like to that would come in? Is there who 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 was the Mexican-American that won the title right before that? He had won a belt in the heavyweight, kind of out of shape looking guy. I don't even know his name right now. It was something Ramirez. Is it Ramirez? Um, anyway, I don't know. Are there any other heavyweights? I, there was one that Bronze Bomber was thinking about fighting before the Fury deal was, was inked. But I don't really know no, a lot about know, the heavyweight um, division right now. There really isn't. You know, there's, you know, because there's, there's the Anthony Joshua from the UK who's really, really good. Great technically sound boxer. I think that would be a, a very interesting matchup. Um, there because here's a guy that can keep his hands up, but what again? What? Oh, it's Ruiz. Ruiz. Sorry, it was uh, Ruiz. That's it was who Ruiz was. Jr. And I, I should have known that he was first Mexican American uh, boxing champion. I mean, I mean, the guy had an un, not an unbelievable, but a very good amateur record, and was a very good little fighter. You know, I think he was just underestimated. And again, there you go when you catch a fighter. When you, when you catch someone with that that shot that hits them behind the ear or on that temple, you can't do you can't recover. It's like those liver shots. You know, we laugh around in the gym. You know, you get caught with one of these one day, and like your your whole day's done. You know, you get caught in the body with the right shot, and there's no recovering from it. And it's the same thing with those shots that land like on that you know right in between the jawline right here, or right on the temple or on the back of the head. And there's like three spots on the face where. I don't care if it's your one of our daughters with the right little eight ounce glove that clips you right, man. It's just going to change your your whole day. <laughs> and I think that happened to Deontay, man. So I think that if someone can get in there and at least um, back Fury up a little bit, you know, I've, clearly he's had some closer fights. But I think like you know, unless you you know stay in front of him and push him back, I think you got to be a bigger guy. You know, that's how I feel. Do you? I don't think a Ruiz beats him. I don't think a Ruiz gets through to him. I think he um, beats Ruiz easily by keeping him at the end of his jab, staying elusive, landing those long right those long right hands. I think a Joshua has a better chance than a Ruiz. Um, I think Joshua and and um, and Fury could go the distance pretty easily because I think Joshua would be smart enough to keep those hands up. But then, like the funny thing is that you never know. Is once a guy gets knocked. You know, down. I mean, it's is knocked out and it's stopped. Some guys are never the same after that, and that's one of the things you just got to understand. Like I've seen fighters' career end in one fight. They're never the same after one fight. And I hate to say this, but he was one of my best friends. And I, I don't want to mean to say I hate to say this, but uh, Jeff Lacey was never the same after Joe Calzaghe. And that was a fight he had in the UK. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he just took a weird shot or something, but he just never seemed like the same Jeff after that. And Jeff was a dear friend and a brother and someone that I just, I just, it's just it. So when you say Tyson at this age, that age was this and this person that, you know, I think the Gypsy King is going to have a run. I think it's going to be, it could be a few years, but there's some, I don't know, some guy in Uzbekistan or in, 
were ever training, who's six foot nine, six foot ten, whose dad worked in the circus. I don't know. And he trained him on this and he's hitting the mitts right now somewhere and and, and watch out, dude. Or there or by or again, again, you know, I think, you know, who beats a Tyson Fury? I think there's some lineman at Notre Dame or wherever that's a crossover that's six foot ten and two hundred and seventy five pounds and dedicates his life to you know starts boxing and rises up the ring. I mean, he's he's four six eight years away, but if you could I mean to catch him at the end and saying I think Tyson Fury could be around for a few years, you know I mean they have what two fights a year. I think he could be around for a couple of years. I don't see who beats him now, but there are definitely a couple younger, bigger heavyweights that I think give him trouble. What do you think Tyson walks around at? Fury? <clears throat> Fury? Yeah. Dude, I don't, you know, I don't know, man, because... He weighed 330 or 350 at one time before he lost all that weight. Well, wonder no, how big he gets before he cuts. I don't think he really tried to cut that much. You know, you did. You could see that he wasn't that interested in, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like... Based on the the conditioning stuff I saw, you know, there's some guys that really do work on aesthetics and do do stuff. It looks like he worked on being in great physical condition and didn't really care. And I think through that you saw the development because he wasn't like ripped in any one area, but he did really look strong in the areas he needed to be strong in shoulders, uh, legs, you know, chest. Um, you know, you could see he had done ab work. You could see he had done neck work. You could see that he had done, you know, some fast twitch muscle, you know, reaction drills there's just no way a big man like that could be moving where like i said he was able to go left and right you know moving punches and even if he's just feigning it was stuff you don't see from a big a big guy like that and that doesn't mean anything more than he just practiced it i don't care if he put on you know some rave music in the garage and bounced around in the mirror he practiced that stuff and that's that's what i think that uh you know was it was impressive for him so i think that you know anywhere for between 10 and 20 pounds I think he probably walks around, you know, in the in the 380, 390 range. I don't think he, you know, I mean, excuse me, 280, 290 range. I don't think he gets much heavier than that. You've been keeping up on the UFC cards? You, didn't... you know, man, I watch a lot of UFC. I'm, a, you know, now that they're on ESPN+. What happened Plus. to Cowboy? Why, you know, where was he in that fight? You know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, I'm not really sure why they gave that fight to him. I know he earned it. Maybe it was for a payday. He had lost his previous two. It just was. It just didn't seem fair to me uh, that Cowboy Cerrone had that fight only because, again, I can understand it if it was done for the purposes of to get him paid. He's definitely paid his dues. He's a company man. He fought anyone. If they're going to bring Connor back against someone, they've got to bring him back against someone credible. But I just don't think it was fair, man. I mean, Connor's on a different level. I don't care what you say about him. You know, then you and I even argue about, you know, Connor McGregor, and, you know, and, and Floyd Mayweather. And again, you go on to say very silly things. But, you know, I think that um, at the end of the day... Um, they Are you this the, much of an asshole in the courtroom? Well, you know, man, like you <laughs> called me out. Like you, you brought the fighter on the podcast and you it's like putting the bear in the corner and poking him. And I got to defend myself. And, you know, I feel like I'm the one guy that gets to put push back on Chad Belding. Like you're the boss, the king fruit of everything. And so like when you're on, even when I know I hear you, I, mean, I listen to your pie, you're nice to everyone and you're <laughs> sweet to your, you know, your guys that come on. But we're not just like, you know, podcasts, but we're, we're homies and we're workout buddies and we're friends. And so I'm, I get to, I, I have the ability and the great pleasure of being able to bring it back real with you. Where a lot of guys might not, they might think it's hyper and they're like, we're, we're, we're in it. Like we've sweat. 
wet together. We've bled together. We've laughed together. We've done the craziest you know, shit together, even with Big Les here right here, who still presses more plates than anyone else, you know, at the gym. And so, like I said, I feel that I, I owe your audience the absolute, you know, honesty and real, real, real truth of being real with you. And so you've said some things that you, uh, I call you out on. And so the McGregor cowboy fight, just a bad fight, bad, bad deal. Shouldn't have happened. Thought they had to bring McGregor back. They think there's other younger. So wait a minute though. There's something to be said about that though. You said that he's not on the same level McGregor and he didn't look like it. He he had that good fight against Darren Till where he whipped that dude's ass. And that was one of Dana's up and coming guys. Then he goes in and, and Ferguson just dismantles him to where Cowboy's face looks terrible. He didn't look good in the previous two fights before McGregor. He does get this. He's a company man. He's paid his dues. He's I think he's like tops and he holds a lot of records in the UFC. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I get it. But going into the fight, is he beat before even the weigh-in? Because he never looked the same. His interviews were <clears throat> Cowboy, what are your chances? I'm just happy to be here. Like, he didn't even seem like he wanted to fight McGregor. Like, he knew he was going to get his ass kicked. And that's never been his forte. Cowboy's always been that redneck, let's get off the horse and put our six our six shooters away and have a good old-fashioned bar fight here. He never even, he didn't land one punch there. He threw one leg kick and really got dismantled by a couple shoulder thrusts that broke his nose. And then he got caught with that leg kick. Was he beat before the first round started? Um, absolutely, man. I think, um, you know, again, I do study just like you. <clears throat> I pay a lot of attention to fighters to meet the fighters demeanor and interviews and everything for me is a key used to be when I was a fighter and just kind of seeing him in the walk up to that fight. It did feel to me like he knew that he was being given an opportunity, but that, you know, almost, almost if I could feel from Cowboy's eyes, man, because I, I can remember the night that I got on my horse and rode away and just felt like, you know, man, I'm not at this, I'm not, I'm no longer willing to put in the level that's required to, to be at this level anymore. And if you're not willing to do that, then that's, that's the time to go. And I feel like Cowboy should have had that McGregor fight or they should have been able to do that two years ago. Because I feel like there was just too much wear and tear. Um, I feel like, oh, I mean, he was like almost heartbroken for the fight, but at the same time happy to be there because he's going to get paid. The chances of beating McGregor are slim to none, but but F it, I'm Cowboy. I'm going to go in there and, and give it my best. My fans are still going to love me as long as I go in there and do it. And I'll, and I'll also say this. I do not think he expected McGregor to start. The way, I, I think that he did start with the big, the big punch. But I don't think he expected McGregor to move at the level. of McGregor, I, I've never in my life seen a shoulder punch. And I've seen a lot of stuff. And I was, I mean, and that's, that's innovative. That's, that's creative. That's just, that's next level stuff. And so I think, and he practiced it. There's just no way he didn't. You know, that's not by happenstance, dude. Like he knew that, you know, he looked at, and that's something McGregor would do, would be, he's the type of guy that's going to exploit weaknesses. And that's something Cowboy used to do when he trained for a fight to go in there to, to beat the guy senseless versus go in there and survive or get a paycheck or be the guy that's in line or, you know, whatever it was. I agree with you 100%. Almost seemed like I'm honored to have this opportunity. Wish it would have come a little sooner, but it didn't. I'm a little older now, so I'm going to go in there and give it the best job I can. You know, I'm just, you know, we'll see how it goes. And that's not, you don't, you, you don't win, you don't ever win a fight like that. So does he retire now? I, uh, 
I think he does, but I think that knowing Cowboy, um, you know, and I have had a chance to meet him at Jackson's and see, you know, before he left, you know, Jackson's and, and see him and be around him. He is he is a, a really nice guy. I think that his pride is going to, no one's going to want to leave the octagon or the fight career on that level. And so I think he might have to have a fight or two left where he does take some time off, heal, feel hungry and have another fight. They all do. And I hope he does and then quits. But, you know, if not, yes, then he should. If he's not prepared to do that, but fighting at that next level anymore, like, you know, the Tony Ferguson's, or the, it's just not. That's, that's, and again, man, that's just knowing your body and the level that you're at and what you can take. And, you know, sometimes fighters have to be told that. And again, you know, like, that's why I'm saying, like, it could happen to Tyson Fury in, in, in four fights. He could go through four or five just crazy, brutal, tough fights, knockdowns, whatever. I mean, look at that. Look what Wilder did to him. You get caught with a couple more hooks like that, which we know he's susceptible to. And it could change the whole way your body responds to that next right hand from that up and comer. So um, I think, you know, um, Cowboys should consider retirement i don't think he will he's a company man i think he'll fight again in in the ufc one or two more times i think mcgregor is going to be such a fun entertaining guy to watch um you don't do what he's done making the kind of money he's made if you don't still love the game and you're not and you're not can he about beat, it can he beat khabib um i mean can i think Khab anybody can yeah can khabib beat tony ferguson or do you think he will i know he can but tony ferguson is a badass again man Styles make fights, and I think the um, only way to beat Khabib is you've got to have good stand-up too. Like you've got to be, you've got to have a good, good stand-up that's very cognizant of those takedowns because you know he you can't just be there to throw because his job is to get you to the ground. That's where he just gets to do special. He's a, he's a special human being of what I've I've seen a lot of wrestlers. And he's got like almost superhuman strength on the ground and how he's ever able to contort his body and leverage himself. And I've, like I said, I've, I'm, I'm one of those geek sickos that puts stuff down slow and watches and just shows how he slowly moves around to get this ultimate position where he knows he can dominate and move. And so I think that a Tony Ferguson is a perfect storm for him. One of those guys that's got to be able to stand in front of him, has an incredible takedown defense, can stand and throw. It's got to, it, Khabib has got to get roughed up on his feet a little bit. Someone's got to get a shot on him that rattles him in some way. That's how the only way you beat Khabib. I don't think you try to wrestle him to the ground. I don't think you're going to out jujitsu him. I think he's strong enough to survive anything anybody can do in wrestling to him. And I think you know. So if I'm if if you're asking me. And again, I'm putting on both my my fighter cap, my trainer hat, and my businessman cap. I'm thinking, how do I how do I nail this dude with a shot that wobbles him or changes his trajectory or somehow gives me an opening to do more? And I'm gonna and I'm gonna continue to do that until I get that. I'm gonna keep it on my feet and keep moving and keep these angles and keep sharpshooting until I land one of those shots. And then when I land one of those shots, I'm gonna have a plan for what I do next. And it's going to be another shot of some type. It's like someone's got to hit that dude with an uppercut. Because no matter what anyone says, every man is susceptible behind the ear, you know, behind the head, on the jaw. You know, there's just, that's just, that's just science, dude. You know, and, you know, you, you catch the guy the right way, but a Khabib has got to be hit the right way, dude. It's like an Achilles Because if you heel. look at like the last five opponents of Ferguson, they have a, they have these 
deals going around right now where you can look at their faces after the fight and he, like he destroys people like they're cut up and they're battered and you can tell that they just got their ass kicked i just can't see khabib getting in that position because of his ability to wrestle and take you to the ground and then more importantly keep you down there like you're saying and get in these weird positions with his body's really flexible and he's got the jiu-jitsu and the and he's got all of the submissions and the chokes and all of that it's just like ferguson is on a roll so it's hard to bet against him, you know, and if it was anybody else besides this guy, because I don't know if this, like you said, he's almost superhuman the way that he wrestles and the way that his strength, like you said, he had superhuman strength kind of. Uh, I think that Connor looked way refocused more than I've ever seen him, except maybe back when it was Aldo training camp. He's uh, he's again, on a different level right now. Yeah, and, and, the, and that's what I'm trying to say is, is look at what Connor did in, in innovating wise. That's how you beat a Khabib. You lock up and all of a sudden this shoulder punch, like that first shoulder punch that hit, hit Cowboy, he it stunned out. him. But <laughs> that next one, it broke his nose, dude. Like I've never seen anything like that. And so that's what a spe the special human being or the special technique or, you know, I heard that Connor McGregor's working with Tony Robbins now. I've had the opportunity to work with, I've seen Tony work with Chuck Liddell. I've seen Tony and I've seen him it's absolutely a game changer. It is absolutely, there's no way to, to, you know, anybody that wants to argue about this, the mind is the most powerful weapon. And if you can control it and you can program it to do exactly what you want it to do on, with no fear, with no thought process, with no, you know, calculate with just, just, just to react like a, like a machine, then you're a whole, you're in a whole new ball game. And I really do think that's what Connor did. I think they had a plan. And so my point is, is that, you know, you saw him go out there and you know, he throws that, you know, cowboy felt it. And I think he was so like bamboozled by like, dude, who, who, who shoulder punches, you know, man, like, like that was yeah, weird. That, there and wore then, yeah, one. that must've been weird. And so he stayed there and took another one. Then he's thinking like, okay, that, you know, that, that's never happened before that's, and then he takes another one. Like, so I just think that. You know, a Khabib that gets in there with a guy that's not ready for this weird kind of an uppercut to come in or this weird kind of a jab knee uppercut to come in a couple times, that's going to be what what changes his trajectory. And it's got to be a guy that, you know, is knows that Khabib's trying to take him down, that if his leg goes in the air, he's got to have an answer for all, all that, right? And so I think that, you know, Tony Ferguson is a perfect because he's a scrambler. You know, you, you almost got to not know what you're going to do next to, to because you got to be that unpredictable. You know, you got to have such great fighting acumen and have your skills so sharpened and so honed that you can fight from any any angle, any length, any direction, and it can still be correct fighting. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're throwing some punch from some queer, queer angle and you can get knocked over. It's like you have an ability, an uncanny ability to always be in position to punch, turn your body, make that adjustment, make that slight modification to catch that angle. That's who beats Khabib. And, and, and I mean, and I do think like, you know, like we said, we're talking about it. I do think after seeing Connor's last fight that if he can stay innovative like that, something tells me he's putting something together, you know, because for him, who else is there to fight? Like he's you know, got it. He has to, he has to be, go back in there and defend his honor against Khabib because so, he got embarrassed so, against Khabib. So can and then we, he acted like a fool, you know, before that fight and then Khabib acted like a fool after there's a lot of drama there. 
I don't know if I've ever seen Connor in better shape. His legs looked unreal. His quads are gigantic. He's been working out with strength conditioning coaches way more than I think he ever did. Oh, and yeah, he's still flexible true. as hell, and he's a ninja kind of. I don't know. Like, I don't know. He looks like the perfect matchup for Khabib now more than he did before the first fight. Well, yeah, because he had taken some time. And so I think, you know, like I said, it's why we love this game. Uh, the fight game is always so unpredictable. I think that's what makes it so much fun is on any given night, you know, who could show up? And sometimes, like I said, that's, you know, again, you know, hopefully, you know, we've, you know, I know we've, I know all the, you know, so many of the listeners agree with me and they, they probably feel bad for you a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, anyone that's been listening that did watch the Tyson Fury fight, I think that's why you got to appreciate a guy that just is on one night and a guy that's off and a guy that's able to do what he says he's going to do. And he's in there and he's able to do whether it's shoulder punches to some guy who's a veteran who knows the game, who should have been able to like, okay, that hit me. I'm going to at least put my damn hand up and make sure that doesn't hit me again or get out of the way. No, I'm going to let it hit me three more times. And one of them is going to break my nose and then I'm going to get kicked in the head. And now the fight's over. I don't know what happened there, but I, I would categorize that the same as a guy that comes in, you know, with a game plan that's nimble, that's fainting. I mean, I've never seen a six foot nine guy faint in my life. Like that's almost like a, you know, we're watching the an NFL lineman, you know, juke someone just to just to be funny, like you know, fake punch someone, and and you know and that would catch you off guard. And so here you got this six foot nine guy doing that to you and you weren't expecting this foot six foot nine guy to do that and then after he does the fake now he just hits you with a jab in between your nose that felt like someone hit took a little aluminum baseball bat and whacked you right between the eyes and you're just thinking to yourself like whoa and then the guy bounced backwards and got out of your range and so you're thinking to yourself you're you're making it out to be you're, way you're, more than it was but i'm saying though that's exactly <laughs> what happened now now deontay's thinking to myself Okay, that 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 doesn't normally happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna punch this guy in the head with my right hand and end this fight. So he steps up and he tries to do it a few times, and it didn't work. So, you know, I think uh, like I said, big tree fall hard. Had uh, had Tyson Fury stood there and wasn't nimble and didn't move around and didn't keep those hands up and didn't get out of the way. Uh, he's on the ground like he was the first fight, but that didn't happen. So, so some of you um, out there might agree with Mr. Joey Gilbert. You're going to find more Joey right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. We're going to start doing like what Joe Rogan does with the Fight Companion. We're going to start doing fight weeks. We're going to come in and have a little yeah, bit of analyzation. Joey's good at it. I love having him on the podcast. We're also going to have another episode very soon on a new business that Joey is involved in called Legal Shield. Yeah, you know what? I will just say this. That's something that we will talk about. I want to spend more time on it. Like a whole. I don't want people to to go look at. I want to tell people that I am as an attorney working with a company that offers legal insurance, and we'll talk about that someday. I want to. I want to get right back in here next week. Talk about Legal Shield. I want to talk right after this Khabib Ferguson fight. Can I I tell you something though, real quick? While we're talking about, is it a? Is it a? Is it an insult to to me? It's kind of an insult. I knew it was coming. If and just so you guys know, I'm not some dude that's out here to prey on anybody. I never do need, like, you need me, you want to do something with me, you want to work, you want to be with my partner on my this other business I'm doing, great, let's do it. Chad is the biggest PETA. Does anybody know what a PETA is? I'm not in PETA. Do you know what a PETA? I know you're not a PETA. PETA means a pain in the ass, right? We say this about certain <laughs> Oh, a PETA, like a, a PETA. PETA pit. Oh, okay, okay this you. guy creates more you just stuff for himself where he goes just by being him lovable like i said i've gotten to know this guy we are friends i think he is one of the nicest human beings one of the most generous guys on the planet also though stupid trustworthy 
you know, to a fault, like, oh, okay, this guy said we're going to do this. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to give him thousands of dollars. I'm going to, I mean, just, just dumb, dumb in different states, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So the one thing that I was saying about it is this, of this legal insurance product I'm, we're going to talk about is it covers you in all 50 states. And Chad, who hunts all over the place and gets himself in trouble all over the place <laughs> and is always doing a deal somewhere or has an idea somewhere, and, you know, that's just where he is. But let's, for, let's like, make sure they don't know that I'm getting in legal trouble. No, no, he's not law. getting in legal trouble. No, he just, he, no, no, seriously, I'm honestly, not, I'm not poaching. he could use a competent lawyer anywhere he's at because he does have a lot of stuff going on where it would be good to say hey does this sound right or this guy's telling me this and it sounds good too good to be true but he sure does seem all right like well let's have guy. an episode okay. on this coming up with joey gilbert we're going to have another fight week right here at this life aid for everybody to discuss the tony ferguson done? and the khabib yeah well look at we've been going freaking a long time is how difficult it is at the gym standing between you two. God, man, you know, I mean, I just, I just really hope. I don't though, know if Joey still got it though with the hands. You I think just, he still let me, does. Let me tell you something. Not only do I still have it, I've lost eighteen pounds. I am sparring not every day, but with the kids at the university. I'm coaching at the university. I frequently get in there and do and can do whatever I want. Still, I still got those hands, and I'm and I'm not afraid to use them if I need to. And I feel good again because as you, you know, as we get older, you think to yourself, "Man, what if something happened?" You know, do I still got it? And I really do feel like you know what? I'm still it's still there. I definitely might think like a little different than I did when I was 20, 25 before I throw that first punch. But I promise you. What are you no saying? Problem. You've been getting in some street fights? No, no, I'm not saying I have. I'm just saying that as we get older and we haven't done any of that reckless, crazy stuff we did when we were younger, you think, oh my God, could I do that? And you know, it is, it is like, you know, there were those calves get shaky, you have that situation. And so since I started training again and feeling fun, you know, comfortable again doing that. And I've had a couple situations where there's been a situation that, you know, I felt very confident in how I handled it. And that if things would have escalated to a level that required me to, to use, to defend myself, it would have been a, You're feeling been good a very again. fun night, man. Yeah, it would have been, been a fun been night. A, sh- a short so night. So he's pretty much saying that he's back into his his fighting weight, and he's feeling good. He's bouncing around. Cause he's I, am, got that. I am about the same weight. I would always, if I could get this to this weight, I'd always try to maintain this weight to get to training camp because I only had 20 pounds. So How I much are you weighing right now? I'm about 185. And if I could walk around at 186 to 187, I was a happy man. And I fought at 160, and it was not easy, but I'd always like – Try to get the training training camp somewhere under 180, and I was I was home free because I took off 10 pounds of water. All crazy stuff we'll keep talking about as we move forward on our on our little journey. But um, I did want to say thank you to you for having me because it is fun to come out here, and I know you do have a big audience, and I hope that today everyone you know that you did enjoy what we talk about. I know I I hope you know people sometimes you hear people on the radio. And you think that guy's just being a jerk. I hope you realize I am just being fun. Oh, they do. Chad and I, you know, we, we, if you saw what we did to each other while we're working out, well, how we torture each other, you would know that it is a lot of fun. And so, uh, these topics are fun topics. Who doesn't love fighting? Who doesn't love lawyering? You like the new studio? I I love this studio. And, you know, I, I, another thing I will say too, we would talk about is I, I am, I started a podcast, which I'm going to be bringing here for Chad to help me do, but I've got my championship form 
formula. And so one thing I will want to talk about with everyone, it's what we've discussed on here so many times when we have Pandora and we have less. And when we discuss just like who we are as people, our mindset of, of how we do what we do every day. And it's having that determined, you know, I'm not going to give up mindset. And so I, I do want to share with everyone at some point what I call the championship formula. And it's just going to be what you've talked about before, what we, how we try to live our lives. And that's do what we say we're going to do. You know, um, don't just, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. So I and that's your new podcast, the championship, it's a new, it's the championship formula with Joey Gilbert. And again, it was an idea spawned by you actually of, of being in here and you telling me maybe do something like this and then just wanting to do a bucket list. I don't really have an, it didn't have an idea, but I had, I have some, I have friends and I have people that we wanted to share what we've done together. God, so, it would have been perfect to, timing to get Tyson on it this week. You know, man, he comes I, here to, he comes here Thursday. He's here Friday night you, and he's got his hot boxing podcast. You guys could have cross promoted promoted and he could have been on the championship formula and that would have been an unreal guest it's it's something to look forward to the best heavyweight champ, the you know, best does, boxer of all time. He does have a, um, a, a whole setup down there in Orange County. I know you and I could go down there. Like, it's not something that's not doable, so let's not get all crazy. Don't make me it's feel It's not guilty. doable or it is? I mean, something that's not doable, not something we can't do. We, something we can we do it. Do. Yeah. We can do it. That's Joey Gilbert. This life ain't for everybody. Look for him on the Championship Formula podcast with Joey Gilbert. He'll be doing it right out of our studios right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. We will be back with another fight recap of Ferguson Khabib. We will talk more boxing the different weight divisions. We'll see what Mayweather Jr. is up to because he's talking about a return to the ring. Don't know who it's going to be with, but oh, I'm excited because I love, yeah, I love, I would love I to love say May, May 1st for any local people. We're having another fight at the Silver Legacy. Roy Jones Jr., my promotional partner, we are doing another fight, another boxing event here locally. I would love you involved, Chad. I'm, I'm involved. I love you there. I'm going to come and I would like to help promote I, it. You will sit next to Roy. You will talk to him. You you're see you're, this you're making this promise now. I'm saying did, it, he is playing on coming in this fight he's one of the nicest guys he comes to all the fights can less come? he talks to all the fighters less can come you sit next to him you'll love it it will be a good time so may 1st uh, may 1st reno nevada silver legacy the carano family el dorado resorts the official hotel resort the row is the row the if now the national as of next month it's getting big we'll be making some announcements with el dorado resort and what the carano family in there just I can't even explain how powerful it's going to be. But guys, keep looking for that coming right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you, Joey Gilbert. We will be back to talk about more fight game and legal shield. You guys look into it, and Joey's going to give us the rundown of what it actually entails. And he, if he says it's beneficial, he's not lying. He ain't making money off of it. He's just trying to look out for me. Tom, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you guys so much for listening. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone